When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Hello and welcome to the Bet Yourself Podcast. I'm Brian Russell Smith. I'm Amanda Duberman. And the Bet Yourself Podcast is your bi-weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news explained by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about... Roger Stone. The New Hampshire primary. And what happens if there's no nominee by the Democratic Convention. Let's do it. Betches Media presents... Like beer, I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. <laughs> Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? <laughs> that was a jaunty Thursday. Thank you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do I'm it. I'm ready to get into it. I I, I, all right. Well, it looks like you're having a good week. What's getting you through it? Oh, that it's almost over. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the weeks are getting longer and longer. Yeah, but actually not that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's it. Until the end of democracy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Um, it's Thursday. That's, yeah. the, that's the episode. Bye. <laughs> um, there's your news. So this is exciting. Um, retired NBA player Dwayne wade and his wife actress gabrielle union are speaking out in support of their child who recently came out as transgender it was really nice um Dwayne wade spoke to ellen about it um he posted a cool video on twitter so basically the couple's 12 year old um born zion wade recently told her dad and stepmom to call her zaya and refer to her using she her pronouns um, Union uh, then introduced her child on Twitter as Zaya, and the 12-year-old explained to her dad in a video why she'd stopped denying her truth and encouraged others to live authentically. Let's just play that clip. Because they're afraid they will be judged. Um, I would say, you know, don't even think about that. You know, just be true to yourself, because are you really even, like... It's what's the point of being on this earth if you're going to try to be someone you're not. It's like you're not even living as yourself, which is like the dumbest concept to me. It's just like, you know, be true and don't really care what like the stereotypical way of like being you is. Even when people are being mean, even when when people are getting hurt uh, by because they're trying to be themselves and even even through that you still want people to make sure that they live their truth yeah i think i'm i know it can get tough definitely yeah but i think you push through and you be the best you and especially like especially more recently like it's become a more accepting even though there's you know obviously a lot of people out there who still are upset you know more in the like back in their days way of mind but i think even through hard times just you gotta you gotta just push through I mean, like, it's worth it. I feel like it's very worth it when you reach that point of, like, yourself. 
I'm feeling free. Yeah. I'm feeling like you. Yeah. Feeling like you don't have to hide. Like you where you could look in the mirror and like say like hi to yourself. Like mm. nice to meet you. Mm. Instead of like, mm, I don't really know who I am. Mm. It's like a full identity crisis. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean. 12. 12. That was very eloquent. Yeah. That was very eloquent. The clip is um, on Gabrielle Union's Twitter. So you, it's actually a video and mm-hmm. she's just driving a golf cart with her yeah. dad. Like just, having the best just day. Just chatting. Just chatting. chatting. Um, about this huge life change well not change for her but for maybe yeah. the people around her and so it, it was Dwayne Wade he, uh, he was filming it and I just think it's really special that you know he is such a like a he's a guy's guy he's a dude you know um, which is such a fucking weird term yeah yeah but yeah. Um, you know what I mean yeah and so he's very popular he has a big audience and you know it, it's really special I mean it's important especially for you know other fathers who probably look up to him who may themselves have a transgender child or even a, like a gay or bisexual child to see just this like m- this guy who's like the ep- epitome of yeah. masculinity be so cool and accepting you know it sets a really good precedent and yeah. standard for and those not people only, like accepting but like okay let's like be really open about this to yeah. help other people like no shame mm-hmm. and so i think it's you know teaching a lot of people just more about acceptance because you know if you know one person, you're more like of a like a gay person. It makes you more accepting. That's right. just the fact of it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a statistic that I don't have handy. But. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's just really it's a, it's nice news it's nice. coming yeah. out of coming out of the sports world. You know. Right. Right. Where it's usually yeah. otherwise not. Totally. Uh, Amanda, what is getting you through this week in Trump's America? As I was choosing this, I was just like really sick of America. Mm-hmm. Like. I feel like it's just been all domestic politics lately, which is definitely what we do and what our focus is. But I feel like normally I'm able, I have a little bit of a, I don't have the blinders on so much, but there's just been like all hands on deck. Mm -hmm. Um, But this week there was some cool news out of Australia. So the highest court there has determined that the country's aborigines cannot be deported because they basically can't in any way be considered foreigners. Like it's just not a logical conclusion that if a person is of Aborigines descent, even if they were born outside of the country, they are obviously Australian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wow. Which is obviously completely logical, but like seems pretty radical for a nation's court to to say. So the case yeah. came about after uh, Australian's government, which is led by Prime Minister Scott Morrison. He's a conservative. They don't really describe conservative the same way we do, but there are some overlaps. Basically, he his government attempted to deport two Aboriginal men who had been convicted of crimes. This is part of like a broader, more intense anti-immigration sentiment, followed by policy um, that like was deporting people for serving crimes for serving prison terms as short as like one year for mm. for crimes. Um, and so, one of the men in the case still does need to prove his heritage, but once he does, he can't be expelled. So. The rationale, like I said, is just like there's no such thing as an Aborigines alien in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, the court's judge is apparently like a pretty like young, cool judge on the scene, said the identity of Aboriginal people, whether citizens or non-citizens, is shaped by a fundamental spiritual and cultural sense of belonging to Australia. It is that identity which constitutes them as members of the Australian political community. Mm. So regardless of birthplace or nationality, Aborigines are automatically Australian citizens. The two men in question, I think, had been born outside of the country but spent a majority of their lives in Australia or mm-hmm. the, their family had decided to return. Yeah, so wow. So that seemed like some really cool news. That, that, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, seems I actually, like something we should replicate. Yeah, totally. I um, They actually recently did this in Spain. Oh, did they? Yeah, because, you know, after the Spanish Inquisition, 
Um, the Catholics right. basically drove TBT. everyone out. Yeah. And so if you can prove, you know, that you were driven out of Spain during that time, you can claim Spanish citizenship. They just did this too. Got it. Got it. Yeah. There's sort of like it intersects with like the right of return issues that lots mm-hmm. of countries have. But this is a really uh, the rationale just delighted me. Like there's I, that a court would say there's literally like it's not possible for you to be considered yeah. a foreigner um, was the precise conclusion. I think you were originally here. Hence yeah. the name. It's just, yeah, totally. It's rare for like a justice system to actually like meet. Yeah. The reality of like what actually people the majority of people think. So that was exciting. Yeah, totally. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So should we do the main news? Let's do it. Should I start? Sure. So just when we thought firing two impeachment witnesses was the worst thing President Trump could do, just days after he was acquitted of abuse of power charges, he appears to have intervened in an ongoing Justice Department case, which involves his friend Roger Stone, to give him a shorter sentence, which yeah. has led four U.S. prosecutors to either withdraw from the case or just quit their jobs completely. I've been calling this um, the days following the acquittal and all the crazy shit he's done, the fuck the Constitution tour. <laughs> Literally. He um, learned his lesson, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just like rolling along, doing whatever the fuck he wants yeah. and saying watch, fuck the Constitution. Yeah. Did you watch that um, movie, Who Are You, Roger Stone or something? Uh, get Get Me Roger yeah, Stone. Yeah. Yes, I did. You did. I need yeah. a, Should I watch it? Yeah. I mean, it is crazy how much he shitty things he's done. Right. He is a terrible person who's done uh, many things. He's like, he's like partially <laughs> responsible. A terrible person who's done many things is just like prerequisite for being Trump's friend. Yeah, basically. And I, one of the things that like I don't often think about. So he... But was the one that helped basically get Bill Clinton not elected in nine. I mean, get Bill Clinton elected in ninety two. Mm. Like he helped the, the the independent run of the other Republican person, and then also he played a big role in Al Gore losing the two thousand election. Right. He like helped like organize these like like the storming of these like Florida ballot places yeah. it's it, like he's a terrible person yeah, he's a terrible he's terrible person. also has a giant tattoo of richard nixon on his back yeah yeah because <laughs> they were pals and he, he helped him out too a guy like lifetime of crime he's a straight up i think we cartoon character yes who looks like a criminal yeah he walks around like he's like a radical who should be worshipped and walks yeah. out of courtrooms with uh-huh. his peace signs up straight up roger like um roger rabbit yes criminal. which has probably amplified the reaction to We'll get into what he has done that he's currently being sentenced for. But mm-hmm. like nobody's really giving this guy the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, which, you know, you can argue whether that's fair or not. I'm sure with other people we would argue, you know, against that. But so he's the longtime Trump ally. They've been friends for four decades, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
during the campaign, I believe he was like the main link between WikiLeaks and the Trump campaign, mm-hmm. but was just sort of like, you know, a henchman working out anything. Um, so that's what brought him to the attention of Robert Mueller's investigation. Mm-hmm. He was convicted in November of obstruction, uh, obstructing the House Intelligence Committee's examination of Russian interference uh, in the 2016 election, tampers with witnesses, tried to block their testimony, you know, lie under oath. So a jury convicted him of seven felonies. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of a mm-hmm. lot of felonies. Definitely more than one felony, which is enough to be called a felon. That's, That's true. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely a felon. A felon seven times over. So prosecutors filed sentencing guidelines. Here's they know how bad everything. They know exactly what he did. They drew attention. They asked for seven to nine years. Um, they drew attention to the fact that these crimes were especially bad because he obstructed an investigation into election interference. Mm-hmm. They called foreign election interference specifically a deadly adversary. And there's evidence that Stone was was soliciting foreign election interference. Mm-hmm. But on Tuesday, higher ups at the Justice Department reversed their own lawyers' assessments. These career prosecutors, I believe some of them are political appointees, so they are on the Republican mm-hmm. side. Um, they basically refiled a sentencing request saying that it did not, the original one did not accurately reflect the Department of Justice's position on what would be a reasonable sentence in this matter. Mm-hmm. So they thought that it was excessive, extreme, and grossly disproportionate to the offenses. Mm-hmm. Um, so this came after Trump tweeted his objection to the, sentence, to the sentences at 2 a.m., uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Very stable genius. Our president is tweeting at 2 o'clock in the morning. That is... Yep. Ridiculous. And I don't think he gets up at two. No. And if you're like, if you, if he is awake at 2 a.m., he should be like, probably like doing something. It should be for a very <laughs> serious reason. Like he's in the situation room. Good point. Like, you know, something crazy is happening somewhere in the world. No, he's up at 2 a.m. fucking watching television and tweeting. Cause yeah. it, it, this came, his tweet came after uh, like a, presumably a Fox News segment uh, on the issue. Um, anyways. So the Justice Department said they had already planned to make the recommendation for a lighter sentence before Trump sent his tweet and did not communicate with the White House about it. Um, I find that... There's a zero percent chance. Like, yeah, no. There's no way. The wording of of his tweet made me madder than I have been in a while. (laughs) Well, this is a horrible and very unfair situation. The real crimes were on the other side, but cannot allow this miscarriage of justice when... Oh, God, the people that he could pardon or that he could intervene mm-hmm. who actually experienced miscarriage of justice. Mm-hmm. Like there's a woman who tried to vote in Texas because she made a mistake. Her vote wasn't even counted. She's supposed to go to prison for five years. Mm-hmm. You want to pardon somebody for a miscarriage of justice? Mm-hmm. That's where I mean, I, it's crazy. It's just like, you know, it exemplifies we're in like it's a great time to be a criminal. You know what I mean? <laughs> As long as you're, like, committing high crimes that are, like, white-collar crimes and, like, tax fraud, you can get away with anything you, because, yeah. you know, the president has it his uh, right. whole life. Apparently, like, friends of Roger Stone, which are friends of the president, they've been friends for four decades, were mm-hmm. like, which I actually didn't know until I, I, I read that or heard that today. Like, I knew that they worked together on the Trump campaign. It was a natural oh, yeah. fear. I didn't know they'd been friends I for think, a big part of their life. Like, he, like Roger Stone, Roy Coyne, Roy, Roy Cone and Donald Trump were like this like group. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Like, like a boy band. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, this crime boy band. Oh, God. So, yeah, like we say, really, it seems like the only person that could really make this call was Bill Barr. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trump, 
they keep saying Justice Pardon didn't do anything. Trump thanked Barr personally yeah. <laughs> for getting involved. Should we listen to the clip? Yeah. I tell you what, people were hurt viciously and badly by these corrupt people. And I want to thank, if you look at what happened, I want to thank the Justice Department for seeing this, this horrible thing. And I didn't speak to him, by the way, just so you understand. They saw the horribleness of a nine-year sentence for doing nothing. You have murderers and drug addicts. They don't get nine years. Nine years for doing something that nobody even can define what he did. Somebody said he put out a tweet, and the tweet, you based it on that. We have killers, we have murderers all over the place, nothing happens. And then they put a man in jail and destroy his life, his family, his wife, his children. Nine years in jail, it's a disgrace. In the meantime, Comey walks around making book deals, the people that launched the scam investigation, and what they did is a disgrace. And hopefully it'll be treated fairly, everything else will be treated fairly. I mean, literally, I don't want, he said people were hurt and badly by these corrupt people, viciously, from the president talking about his own prosecutors. I know. Um... And he was convicted by a jury of seven felonies. Of seven felonies, they like they know they listen to the whole fucking case, right? And uh, it's just, and it's crazy to come off of this after you know he had Lieutenant Colonel Vidman removed from his post, and then said the military should look into some disciplinary actions. So that, how is that cool? You know, it's just like viciously obviously, corrupt. It's people. viciously corrupt, and it's like you know, there's no, um, you know, there's no common sense to it. You can't really try and apply it to it. Which is like for me. And then I, I was reading the Times had this interview with mostly anonymous cross prosecutors from around the country who were like, "Yeah, we just don't go near cases we think he's going to undermine anymore." That is literally the definition mm-hmm. of a corrupt justice system. Mm-hmm. Not that our ju- justicism wasn't flawed and corrupt before mm-hmm. Trump came to power, but literally they're not. I mean, I was talking to my boyfriend about this, who's a lawyer, and he was like, why would I want to work for the Justice Department? If I'm a young person who wants to go to law school or is in law school, and that's what I've always wanted, like, why would I want to do that now? It doesn't really look like you're helping people. If you try to help people, you never know when you could be undermined. It's like what we were hearing with, you know, why Pompeo wouldn't speak up for Maria Ivanovich. It's like, what's the point? What's the point in doing the right thing? I mean, exactly. These four prosecutors who resigned from the case and then the one who quit, you know, they all could be working down like at some fucking high power law firm making shit tons of money. And no, they decided to do something for their country and do what they felt is right and work for, you know, the government to try and, you know, bring some balance to the justice system. You know, like yeah. how they wear like the, the symbol for justice right. is like that lady with the whatever with the scales. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not not like scaly <laughs> skin, but like she's holding yeah, yeah, yeah. scales of justice, scales of justice. So that's what they were trying to do. And he, he basically just took a fat dump on all, all over that. Yeah. One of my favorite, like, small facts about this is that one of the prosecutors that the guy that basically was like, I'm out. I'm not doing this job anymore. His name's Aaron Zelinsky. <laughs> Zelinsky. <laughs> What's going what on? What is going on? Yeah, but this is the guy that was like, he tried this whole case. He knows everything. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I mean, it's enough to just be undermined by, like, your own boss who also happens to be, you know, run the justice system. But... Another like fun sort of inside story. It's actually not fun, but it's something I actually hadn't heard about with Mm -hmm. all this. So Barr and higher ups at the Justice Department made this decision shortly after appointing a new acting U.S. attorney in Washington. That guy's name is Timothy Shea. So things had been a bit awkward because the person whose job he's taking, a woman named Jessie Liu, she's still there. She was waiting to formally move to a new post in the Treasury Department. 
Um, she ha- was nominated in December to serve as the Treasury Department's uh, Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Crimes. So she was just waiting to be, I believe she needed to be confirmed. It wasn't over yet. So so Barr brought this new guy in for like a transition period. Um, she had overseen the entire prosecution and conviction of Roger Stone. She also led the team uh, that led for the sentencing for uh, Rick Gates. So it seemed like Shay had gone, the new guy had sort of gone along with this um, even if he, you know, wanted to ingratiate himself to Trump or Barr, he just was like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm the new mm-hmm. guy. And they all just agreed on this. So, yeah, I'm going to go with it. Um, so, no, so, so Barr has undermined his own new U.S. attorney in Washington. And then on Tuesday, Trump abruptly withdrew Lou's nomination to that post in the Treasury Secret- in the Treasury Department. Yeah, they were supposed to. He was, she was supposed to go for the Senate this week. And it happened like right before that, yeah. while all this other crazy shit was happening. So any any time, uh, it's just there's just like a graveyard of jobs. Anytime he does this, yeah, it's awful. Um, so we don't even know what the revised like sentencing suggestion is. Apparently, all we know is that it's far less. Yeah. Ultimately, the ultimately the presiding judge in the case she'll have the final say. Yeah. Um, so Roger Stone's judge uh, in the case is uh, Judge Amy Berman Jackson. Not Amy Sherman Palladino. Yeah. <laughs> I've said four times today. <laughs> Not the acclaimed writer of Gilmore Girls and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, no. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised. She's a very multifaceted woman. <laughs> That's true. Multi-talented. Um, so she will, you know, do, like rule or like whatever, do the sentencing on February 20th. Um and it's interesting, she was in the news not too long ago when she had to institute a gag order on Roger Stone because he Instagrammed a photo <laughs> of the judge, Amy Berman, this judge, in his ca- own case, next to crosshairs. Like, the gun crosshairs. Yeah. Not like, yeah, it's Cuckoo LaRue. So you may recognize that name from that. Um, Trump has not ruled out pardoning Stone. Um, Friends of Stone have apparently been lobbying the president to do so saying Stone's having a hard time personally and financially with Which all of this. Which is the those. point of, yeah. of going to prison. It's nobody's likes it. No. It's not easy on you. Exactly. Shit you know gets what? hard, man. He's really dreading going to prison. He'd really rather not yeah. if it were up to him. You know, Donald, Roger really doesn't want to go to prison. Right. It's icky in there. Yeah. Can, can you do icky. something about it? Yeah, he's got to be shower with other people with his massive Richard Nixon tattoo. Ugh. Yeah. Soon we'll start seeing him become suddenly decrepit. Yeah, he'll walk. He'll start walking. <laughs> suddenly in with need a walker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So how are Republicans responding to this? Well, we remember that Susan Collins, uh, right before she acquitted Trump, was like, "I'm doing this because I think he's learned his lesson. He's been impeached. Being impeached isn't nothing." Which we agreed with. That's why I love when Nancy Pelosi says it all the time. Mm-hmm. He's impeached forever. Um, doesn't appear to be the case. Asked uh, yesterday if she believed that Trump had learned his lesson. Senator Lisa Murkowski said there haven't been strong indicators this week that he has. <laughs> Lindsey Graham said, I don't think he should be commenting on cases in the system. I don't think that's appropriate. Susan Collins did, has commented the president should not have gotten involved. Senator John Kennedy, I think the president's tweet aggravated the situation. He's entitled to tweet. I wish he'd tweet less, but that's not going to happen. So they're always just like, yeah, this was bad. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's this, bad. No bueno. And now Barr has to testify and agree yeah. to testify. Suddenly, Trump officials can testify. Yeah. He'll be testifying in six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so then, by which point, I'm sure there will be an even bigger scandal. Yeah, six weeks. Six weeks is a year in Trump time. You know, it, it's only February, everyone. Yeah. We could impeach Trump and acquit him in that time. I know. Like, so much shit has fucking happened already. And yeah. all this happened in one week. 
Oh, oh my, my god. god. I know. That's cuckoo. I'm saying cuckoo too a lot today. But it But it, it is. It, it is. is cuckoo. And you know, the Republicans are like, you know, it's not good. But you know, I'm just gonna not go I'm just gonna go not vote on election security bills. Oh right. Yes. So, exactly. Jesus but, Christ. Yeah. Um God we- damn it. <laughs> Furious. <laughs> Leaving after yeah, this. Everyone says this is a very like this is like a constitutional crisis. Yes. It's a, it's seems a, to be. It seems to be. Um, well, it was already nearly one, right? Because like like the executive wasn't letting the legislative branch do its job and now it's not letting the Justice Department do its job. And you know we have we, a one chamber of government. Yeah, we. It's basically, you know, you know, it's the con because the, the the Congress will like you know approve budgets, and then the Trump uh, White House won't release the money. Yeah. So that's like basically making the Congress people obsolete. You know, um, the media, you know, calling everyone fake news. Now the media is obsolete, and it's like uh, now it's the Department of Justice, and we're gonna get into how it's it's usually so separate. You know, totally. it's supposed to be like the Department of Justice, the Attorney General is supposed to be the Americans yeah. representative, the Americans lawyer, the American, you know, not the president. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs. But ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits, healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. You know, in Trump world, there's always a tweet for everything, um, which brings us to our next segment. Woe back Thursday. On June 13th, 2017, which is pretty late. Usually in the usually we're pulling tweets from before Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one's even more embarrassing because it's after it's about six months into his reign. On June 17th, he tweeted. Attorney General Lynch, Loretta Lynch, made law enforcement decisions for political purposes, gave Hillary Clinton a free pass and protection. Totally illegal, which is precisely what he's. So you agree. You think it's totally illegal. So, yeah, exactly. Um, And this is when Bill Clinton talked to Loretta Lynch on a tarmac and Republicans and Fox News lost their damn minds. Yeah. It's also I was I was watching Andrew McCabe on CNN and he was he was a former FBI director. And he said that he recalled one time where Obama was maybe being briefed about the investigation to Hillary Clinton's emails. Mm-hmm. And Obama left the briefing and said something like, you know, I just don't think you're going to find anything. And they 
were like five months. They were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What did he mean? What did he mean by that? Oh, my God. What are we supposed to do? Is he interventing, intervening? And like, even that, maybe I can definitely be convinced yeah. that's not something he should say as a president. Yeah. Something yeah. you might say as a person. Like, yeah. I don't think you're going to find anything. Because if Trump said that, it would it would absolutely mean yeah. you better not find anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was, there was talk about how Barack Obama had said something after the ruling in the Eric Gardner case. And people, like, even said stuff about right. that. Um, I think someone said something about when, like, Rodney, whoever was president during Rodney King, I think they said something about that. And um, those things don't even, those things don't even involve the presidents themselves. Those are are just them commenting on, you know, Mm -hmm. criminal cases that are being handled by the Department of Justice or whatever. Um, And that was deemed a big deal that they, the presidents even Said, made a comment about that right and this they and this guy donald trump is talking about someone who's directly implicated in covering up crimes for the president and he's facing the the repercussions for those crimes and now the president is getting involved right that's yes that's fucking crazy that's the distinction because presidents before have p- made unpopular decisions to pardon people mm-hmm. that are clearly based on their personal feelings about either that person or mm-hmm. whether how wrong what that person did. But this is such an extreme example because the wrongs done benefited the president. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And now it, he, the wrongs done helped put him in the pow- position of power that he is now, that he is now trying to cover up. Like, yeah. it's like, we all know that there was, I feel like, I mean, come on during the Mueller investigation. Um, they were not cooperative. They withheld evidence. They lied to the to the as we, as we see here. They lied. They've been yeah. convicted. Some even admitted to lying. The only reason the president hasn't been is because mm-hmm. he's president. He's president, and so it's just like you know something is going on, and we'll find it out eventually, and it won't matter because it'll right. have already happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move into the election section? Yeah. So this week, we had the first in the nation primary, and guess what? It went according to plan. Um, so, because, you know, Iowa caucus, we still don't really know officially who officially won, I don't think. I don't know. But anyways, so here are the results with 100% of precincts reporting. Um, Bernie Sanders came in first. He got the majority of the votes and the majority of, the, oh no, that's not true. He got the majority of the votes, but he got the same amount of delegates as Pete Buttigieg. Um, uh, so Bernie Sanders got nine delegates. Pete Buttigieg got nine delegates. Amy Klobuchar came in third and got six delegates. Um, and they all met the threshold of 15% or more because in New Hampshire, in order to attain delegates, you have to hit at least 15% of the vote. And only P- Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar were able to do that. Um, and also, so Elizabeth Warren came in fourth, um, Joe Biden fifth, followed by Tom Steyer, Tulsi Gabbard, and Andrew Yang. And as the results were coming in, Andrew Yang, Michael Bennett, and Deval Patrick ended their campaigns for president. That was a big night. That was a big night. Yeah. Yeah. The Yang gang is, is, is out. They had, yeah. a, they had a hearty presence on oh, social totally. media. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see where they will go. Although I know a lot of them voted for Trump and- 2016 but so did a lot of bernie supporters or i hear that that's a thing but i don't actually hear from those people Mm -hmm. i'm sure we will we always hear about the obama trump voters right yeah um so bernie sanders won in new hampshire but the moderates 
collectively. So Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren collectively, the sort of leftists, got less of the overall vote than the three moderates, which mm-hmm. is sort of something that a lot of people are talking about because it indicates that, you know, even though Sanders is winning these races, uh, he's not winning them by a lot. And it suggests yeah. like how what's going to happen to his campaign as as we move forward well Uh, you know there's obviously an appetite for a moderate candidate yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see however because you know the new hampshire and iowa results are dictated by predominantly white population um and uh bernie sanders it, it polls really well with Hispanic voters and black voters. I think you got 40% of the Hispanic vote in mm-hmm. New Hampshire and Hispanics have now overtaken African-Americans as the largest minority. Yeah. Obviously, whatever, whatever Democrat wins needs African-Americans, but I thought that was an interesting and, statistic too. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting because, you know, Bernie's, everyone talks about how the fact that Bernie Sanders won New Hampshire in 2016 by a big majority. Um, but, you know, there was only two candidates. And I also think that it's a different demographic than it was. Um, there's there's new voters, um, undecided people, and I, I, I think that, un- and people who aren't registered Democrats voting. Like, because mm-hmm. you don't have to be a registered Democrat to vote. You can be a registered Republican and vote, but you can be an undecided or an independent. Yeah, and I think there's probably a lot of evidence. So I was trying to figure out earlier this week whether college students could vote, out-of-state college students could vote in New Hampshire. So in 2016, uh, people believe, Republicans believe that uh, college students who are from out of state but were living in New Hampshire pushed a couple of races in Democrats' favor, particularly a Senate race that went blue and the state went blue for Trump. They Mm -hmm. were furious, passed a law, basically a poll tax on these college students saying there are lots of variations of these laws across the land. But this one basically said that if you register to vote in the state within 60 days, you have to register your car there and you need to have a New Hampshire driver's license. I don't put the confusion with that law is that it, it didn't really stipulate like it didn't mean you have to do all that. And then 60 days later, you get to vote. People thought maybe it meant that once you vote, you will maybe get a bill or be asked to then register your car. Who even knows if you have a car? Yeah. So nobody really knew how this was going to be enforced. Um, once Democrats overtook that state, the state controlled government, they tried to repeal it. And the governor said no. Um, so the law was very effective in confusing people so much that they were maybe scared to come out and vote. That's what I was sort of reading about it was that it had the effect of dampening turnout among likely, likely Sanders voters, certainly likely Democrats, but I think likely Sanders voters mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't really know even campaigns. I was trying, I spent almost a day trying to figure this out, but even campaigns like nobody, I think it's pretty illegal to uh, say that you absolutely can vote in an election if you can't like yeah. I, the campaigns weren't allowed to say, cause they were getting lots of questions. I was getting questions like, can I vote if I'm a college student and campaigns were like, we don't, we don't, they don't know. know. Yeah. As far as we know, like what I decided to say was like, as far as we know, you, there's nothing stopping you tomorrow from mm-hmm. going there and casting a vote, even if it's a provisional ballot. Um, and then the, we have an intern that lives in New Hampshire and I asked her and she was like, pretty sure everyone's planning to vote, which okay. is good. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, I, I would make me happy if this was sort of just like a cool national news story that reporters were jumping mm-hmm. on because it seemed confusing. But if on the ground, it actually, I'm sure it dampened turnout a little bit. And because turnout isn't like, it was as, it was as high as it was in 2008. Actually, I think I, it beat it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting to, you know, like you were saying before, look at this like left, like these like moderate versus progressive portions of the party. And it seems like the, the, the progressive party is, you know, kind of 
they're they're they they they're lining they look like they're lining up behind Sanders at this moment. Yeah. Um and we so much so that people I've heard calls for Elizabeth Warren to drop out. Yeah. Um and Elizabeth Warren, she's she says she's she's insisting she's in it for the long haul. She says like she keeps pointing out, you know, she's only there's only been two percent of, you know, of voting happening. And um but what's interesting about the moderate wing is like they are split and it's only about to get more split. You know, Michael Bloomberg, once Super Tuesday hits, that's when it's like, okay, where where we see where his three hundred million dollars of spending on ads, how much it, it, it much of an effect it really has. Like we've seen him rise in the polls, especially since his Super Bowl Sunday ad. It's it's really crazy. Um, yeah. So like, how can we say anyone is in or out of this race at this moment in time when Mike Bloomberg hasn't even entered the race? It kind of makes me sad that Kamala dropped out, and yeah. I think that there's absolutely a reason why there were two women with somewhat controversial con- prosecutorial records in this race and the black one was hounded out because of it and now suddenly the white one is like completely celebrated when there's plenty of stories about her just her office just botching mm-hmm. convictions especially with with kids of color and I don't think that Kamala shouldn't have had to answer for that mm-hmm. but she was definitely held to a different standard so for me that was like I was a little bit wounded seeing all of the the Amy love I'm into it I say all the time I just love any woman running for mm-hmm. who's not a conservative Republican yeah <laughs> like I'm I like all the female candidates so it was I loved watching you know Liz say you know look what happens when you count a woman out which I think was actually she was talking about herself yeah because the pundits are counting her out but um, yeah yeah it made me wonder if there would have been more room for her had this sort of breakaway happen but I feel like as Elizabeth Warren has been saying and as I think we want to restate it is incredibly early and I think Mm -hmm. this year more than ever any other year I I really have started to comprehend like how messed up it is that we have these two very small very non-representative states basically make decisions because People think that the candidate's viability depends on their performance in this these states when actually like only 2% of delegates have been awarded. So a mm-hmm. candidate needs the next 20 minutes of this podcast is going to have some numbers. <laughs> We're going to do our the best we can, but it's going to have some numbers in it. So a candidate needs 1,991 delegates, pledged delegates to win the nomination. Mm-hmm. There are a total of 3,979 delegates. Why couldn't they round these numbers out? I know, I know. They're, they're each so <laughs> they're close They're not even to easy two- to round up or I know, down. but like... Oh, why- I guess you could do 2,000. Just like, but- yeah, make it 2,000, make this one 4,000 and call it a day. Right, right. <laughs> the number of delegates that have been awarded so far, 65 out of th- almost 4,000. Yeah. So this is not a lot. This is... The person in the lead towards the nomination right now is Pete Buttigieg, who ha- is one6 one six percent of the way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the totals right now are the Buttigieg has twenty three, Sanders twenty one, Warren eight, Klobuchar seven, Biden six. So, and again, you need nearly two thousand to get it. So, Super Tuesday is the big day, and that's why why a lot of these candidates are saying like, watch Super Tuesday because on Super Tuesday, more than a third of the total of delegates will be awarded, and after that, two thirds of delegates are assigned. So we only have one third after that left. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I uh, just uh, I just want to point out like when you're doing the delegate count with Pete Buttigieg at 23 and Bernie Sanders at 21. Bernie Sanders has more more votes than yeah. Bern, than Pete Buttigieg in Iowa, and yet he has two less delegates. Yeah. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. So for one more thing today, we want to talk about um, basically how we got a nominee and why it's looking increasingly likely that that might be quite complicated. So like Brian was saying, Pete has more delegates right now, even though Sanders has won more popular votes. That's because states give out delegates proportionally. It's not like a winner-take-all situation. That's also why Sanders and Buttigieg are so close. Like Sanders doesn't just get all of New Hampshire's delegates because he won. They're proportionally. And even some have Iowa in particular sort of weighted in favor of uh, more rural voters, I believe, Mm -hmm. which Pete was able to capture, which upped him in the the delegate count. Um, And like you were saying, I think it's actually all states where if you don't get 15 percent, you're not viable, uh, which I think is why Warren and Biden have fallen so far behind. Mm -hmm. The issue with Sanders right now, clearly the front runner, right, Mm -hmm. is that he's winning states, but not by a lot. So experts are worried about a scenario where Sanders comes out of Super Tuesday on top, but is still nowhere near the 1991 because everyone else is still doing okay. They might collect a lot of delegates. Like there's still a lot of people in the race that could do okay that day, whereas before it was like him and Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means he would basically have to have like overwhelming victories in every other state between now and the convention, between Super Tuesday and the convention to meet how many delegates he needs. He would have to win 54% of the remaining delegates, which is pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and every, obviously it gets harder and harder. Every race he doesn't, every other state he doesn't do amazing. He has to make up even more and more ground while his, the people running alongside him are picking up delegates along the way. So that's where we could get in a situation where we arrive to the convention in July and we don't have a nominee yet. Mm-hmm. Somebody can also meet that threshold and then like keep fighting for whatever reason. I'm yeah. not sure why, but <clears throat> um, and that seems it could be quite likely to happen, especially if like we we have like Elizabeth Warren saying she's not going to drop out at this point. And I, I'm not saying that she should, obviously. Um, and three moderates that have <clears throat> increasingly equal support. 
They're and, not rallying behind and, a moderate. And we're about to have a fourth. We're about yes, to have a fourth exactly. moderate. So it's like we're gonna we're gonna have six people really in this race um, for a while. I think I don't. It's I don't see it winnowing yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, and obviously, like not all six people. <laughs> I can't do math, though. <laughs> Can they? Can six people get 15% of the vote? Well, no, they won't because somebody's going to get, you know, more yeah. than that. So, like, it will winnow a little bit. Yeah. It has to. But, which, yeah, the direction it's going to do that is is kind of unclear. So that's when we get into superdelegates. Mm-hmm. So if the convention is, it can be called a contested con- uh, convention, a brokered conve- convention. It happened in the West Wing. It happened in Veep. Um I think it's happened in real life, too. Yeah. Pro- yeah. Um, <laughs> if it hasn't happened on TV, it hasn't happened. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it looks like, and it hasn't been satirized, yeah. then it hasn't happened. Yeah. So that's when 771 superdelegates come in. So who are superdelegates? They're like party officials, state politicians, governors, just like prominent people uh, who are chosen by the party. So they're also called unpledged delegates. The state, the delegates that you win, that you pick up in states, those are pledged delegates. Those people have to vote for they're assigned based on who won. Like, you don't have, mm-hmm. you have to. Unpledged delegates, they can vote for whoever they want, whoever they think. The difference between this year and 2016 is in 2016, those votes were sort of counted. They just did that towards the total delegate count. Mm-hmm. Whereas they changed it. Whereas this year, superdelegates aren't going to come in unless we don't have a nominee that hit that threshold. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a candidate has to get a majority of those superdelegates. So it's not like, okay, superdelegates start voting. The first candidate to cross that 1991 threshold gets the nomination. That person actually has to get half. So so that would bring them up to a total of 2,375 delegates. I hope people are still listening. I know. Wow. It's it's complicated. It's so needlessly complicated. But it sort of seems like, so it seems like if we do end up with a contested convention and there's a couple of candidates who are close... These superdelegates could then choose who the nominee is. It seems pretty likely. Yeah. Um, which is kind of scary. What's also kind of annoying is that Republicans use this too, um, proportional allotment for delegates in general, like we were talking about, but not to the same degree. They have more of a winner-take-all situation, which is why Trump kind of did so well. Like, they have some where winner-takes-all, some where it's proportional, but while Trump was like, had less support overall. Sam and I were talking about this in Monday's episode. We were talking about ranked choice where like it basically makes sure that somebody that everybody kind of likes gets elected, Mm -hmm. which I think is maybe the idea behind this delegates thing. But for Republic, for the Republican party, they have a lot fewer States that are like that. And a lot more that are like, whoever got the most is gets all, gets it all. Yeah. Which explains there have been sort of analyses that show that if the, the Republican race looked more like the democratic one, that there's no way Trump would have been nominated. Yeah. Wow. So I think we'll, we'll do something to explain that all a little yes. further soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, shit's getting real, man. It is. Yeah. This week was, I was saying to you, this to you before, this week was weird for me because like, I feel like we really turned a corner in the race and like impeachment's over and I feel really disoriented and mm-hmm. like the race is just different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, the calls for Warren to drop out infuriate me because... It's like, it's like if you were to come up to me and be like, you should really stop. You should really quit the, your job. And it's like, I'm literally just applying. Like, I just started the application. It's like, yeah. no, no, but like, this guy's going to get it. Like, he's going to be, oh, yeah. oh, did he get an offer? No, yeah. but you need to not do exactly. it. Exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing it. You traitors, bitch. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I hate the people who are like, 
pledging that they're switching don't people. Tell oh, oh, I know, I know. It's like, like, oh, I really love Elizabeth Warren, but now it just seems like I have to vote for Bernie Sanders. Like, you don't have to do a goddamn thing. You should vote for whoever you want to be president. Yeah, it's That's- almost right. And Bernie supporters, I was listening to um, on Pod Save America this morning. People say that we're too similar to them, but so when I do actually directly reference them, I'm just going to note it. Otherwise, we're not. Yeah. But they were saying that they had read something that. Nine out of 10 of Pete's supporters say they will support the Democratic nominee, whoever it is. So that's 90%. Mm-hmm. 75% of Bernie Sanders supporters said the same thing. So only 75% of his supporters will will vote. So it's almost like they're holding it hostage. Yeah. And that's what I've seen motivate people. Like, mm-hmm. well, let's just all get behind Bernie because if if we don't, then what's going to happen? Yeah. Um, but I my, what, what I, my first thought when I heard that statistic is like, are we going after Democrats or are we going after trying to get people outside of the base? Mm-hmm. Like who are they going to vote for? Because mm-hmm. I'm definitely one of those people that I just want a candidate that will win. Yeah. And I am always feel differently about how we can achieve that. Part of me feels like all of them could win. Me you know too. what I mean? So that's just like really where I'm at. And I'm going to, you know, you can support as many candidates as you would like until you have to check off a name on a list. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I don't understand this need to, you know, declare yourself like so outright all the time. It's like, you know, I'm like, cause right now, like, for example, I'm donating to two campaigns, like, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I, and I, I have a preference for one of them, but you know, I don't have to make that decision until I vote in my primary. It's also like, I just don't like, I don't want to give in to my instinct to uh, demonize or feel negatively towards them, towards a candidate I might have to vote for. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And Obviously not publicly because we'd be mm-hmm. hypocrites, but also personally, like, yeah, I, uh, I was burned so many times with Hillary that I like, yeah. I really like Elizabeth Warren. I think she's my favorite, but I've, I've been weary of getting too close yeah. for this precise reason. It's yeah. like, well, you know, interesting. Here's a fun fact. I think we've, we've talked about before. Um, in 1992, the Democratic uh, uh, race for the nominee, uh, these one guy, I don't remember his name, won Iowa. This other guy, who was named I also don't remember, then won New Hampshire, and who ended up becoming the presidential nominee? Bill Clinton. Yeah. So it's really like, and that he, and that's only, that was only two, you know, presidents, Democratic presidents ago. Yeah. That, that's, you know what I mean? Like, we don't have a lot to go off of. Yeah. Like we're, we're, it's like the media and are, are putting this in our heads that this is the most important thing. It's like, no, there's so yeah. many things that needs to happen. Right. There's so many people who need to vote before this decision can be made. Totally. And like, I just think we need to maybe in the future, put less stress on these two things. And it's a hard balance because I love Bernie. I think yeah. a Bernie Sanders presidency would be a dream, mm-hmm. a dream. Mm-hmm. But so but I like I'm very aware of how the media does erase him. And yeah. so I don't want to be like, he's guys, what are you talking about? He's not going to be the nominee. He seems like he could be. It seems like yeah, if anyone's going to totally. be the nominee at this point, it's going to be him. And I would love to vote for a Democratic Socialist. Mm-hmm. But there are other candidates I feel strongly about that. Like, it's, yeah, it's just if, if it were opposite, like if Warren had come out mm-hmm. on top in these two states um, and I'm totally aware there's a reason she didn't. It's not just like they're interchangeable then I don't think people would be calling on Bernie to step down. I don't think so. It's like, get out of get out of his way, everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of his way, and, lady. You know, Elizabeth Warren has had to account for so many more things than Bernie Sanders has ever had to. You know, 
not too long ago they asked bernie how he planned on paying for medicare for all and he said oh don't worry about it we'll figure it out later and, and that's like, what kind of downed her campaign and, is exactly. having to and you could see the 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 a lot of like you know like the court like not to you know this is sound like crazy but not crazy but you know it's true corporate media establishments prefer someone who's not going to disrupt the status quo and you know by nature bernie sanders and elizabeth warren want to disrupt that status quo because they want to take on wall street and you know when you know you have certain candidates who are taking money from big donors and billionaires and corporations they tend to further along you know the status quo and um you could see that the persecution of elizabeth warren was really prominent as she was rising and it really just you know left this gap for bernie sanders to like like ride her like wind turbine or whatever it is like you yeah. know like he was like following behind her f- with the same exact ideas with less accountability yeah and now he was able to ride that wave to the top and so you know we'll see what happens now maybe maybe now that the same is true for Elizabeth Warren maybe sh- maybe the heat's off her now that ever that Bernie's doing so well and maybe she rises up right you, you really have no idea and there's also something to say that um, Americans love to come back so. Totally. Yeah. And if at a Super Tuesday, there's not even Nevada or South Carolina and she's ending up in the same position she is, then I'll feel differently about yeah. the future. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just I feel like if it were if it were reversed, we would not be hearing these these like calls yeah. for her to step down. And it's like I just it makes me so upset when this becomes toxic because we all do have to vote for a person. Mm-hmm. And like nothing could the most like disgusting bernie bro comment would never discourage me from voting from bernie sanders mm-hmm. but i don't know if everybody feels that way no if I, everybody yeah. on day of on the like not saying that i hope he's not the nominee just saying that i hope some things around his campaign change yeah uh before between now and the general and i think that they will i look maybe maybe i maybe i don't actually want that maybe like if we could leash the bernie bros on on trump and like the types of voters that bernie's trying to bring in sort of like are the ones that we definitely need. Mm-hmm. And if that is working as it looks to be, then I feel really strongly about our chances. Yeah. I just think you're right that like the policies are in some ways interchangeable, but we're having totally different conversations mm-hmm. about, about the two candidates and there's, we shouldn't kid ourselves about some of the reasons why. Yeah, totally. All right. Is that it? That's it. We I will mean, not be here on Monday. Mm-mm. We will be observing President's Day. We will be observing the 44 presidents that we had uh, yeah. <laughs> prior to this one. Yeah. No, we're just going to celebrate Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, um, so we will be, uh, check out, if you haven't yet, uh, an episode we did called All the President's Vices about drugs, booze, weird shit going on in the White House. It's one of our most popular episodes. People really like it. Um, so we're going to re-promote that across everywhere. It's a great day to listen to it. And then we will be back with you on Thursday. Yeah. Okay, so uh, until the end of democracy, I'm Brian Russell-Smith. I'm Amanda Duberman. And this has been the Betches Up Podcast. This episode of the Betches Up Podcast is hosted by Amanda Duberman. And Brian Russell-Smith. The show is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our editor is Sean Kilby. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. The newsletter is written by Elise Morales. Artwork by Brittany Levine. And be sure to follow us at at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Batches.